church. Uh, a little feedback there. Yeah, you guys are just beautiful people. <laughs> I look around, I think, man, I'm kind of a little got jealous of, of Rob in a godly way, I guess. <laughs> he gets to hang out with you all the time. He's just beautiful people. So thanks for the privilege and the honor to come and share God's word with you this morning. I, um, uh, if you have, um, I think one of the young ladies was passing out uh, a little little handout to follow along in the message today. That's for you guys. If you uh, keep going in and out. Am I there? I got a little bit of a fix it. You're fixing it. The tech guys are on top of it. They're fixing it. So, uh, yeah. So, just want to thank again Rob and the elder team for giving me the opportunity to come and and, and share and labor alongside with Coastside today uh, as we look to grow um, in deepening a, a, a culture of discipleship here at Coastside. And I'll get to a little bit more about what that means. And we're kind of learning that as, as a leadership team together. And I know that as discipleship flourishes and grows here at Coastside, that it's going to impact Pacifica and uh, the surrounding areas and, and, and into the rest of the bay, I hope, through your relational networks. So I, I, I'm, I'm really looking to God to do a, a neat thing. So, well, this morning, as we look into God's word together, I, I hope to share with you three invaluable traits for every disciple that helps us focus on our lifelong journey with Jesus. But first, I'd like to share a story with you about vision, focused vision, or actually the failing or lack thereof focused vision. Specifically, the stated vision of one Bay Area company that you guys might know. This company is near and dear to my heart. It opened for business on July 13th, 1852. Some of you might already be thinking, I might know who that is. And it opened for business in San Francisco and Sacramento. They've been in business for 165 years. You know, most businesses, they start and then they, 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 they teeter off or fail. And 165 years, nothing to sneeze at, you know, it's a significant amount of time. And then I've been working with uh, this rather privileged and prestigious group of people since 1991. For most of the time, they served me well. Um, they met my needs and helped me and get where I wanted to go in a certain area of me and my wife's lives. But then they lost focus of their vision. On their website, it stated, the vision is stated, to satisfy our customers' financial needs and help them succeed financially. This unites us, they go on to say, this unites us around a simple premise. Customers can be better served when they have a relationship with a trusted provider that knows them well, provides reliable guidance, and helps serve them in their full range of financial needs. So before I go any further, I just realized if any of you currently or did work at this company, I apologize in advance <laughs> if I need to. But it's a great story. So who is this company? Some of you might have figured it out. As of late 2016, when they discovered and released to the general public that, unfortunately, Wells Fargo 
had made such grievous mistakes in some of their practices that uh, it really turned some people upside down. My wife and I are long-term customers, and we were saddened. We're like, oh, man, come on. What's going on? It has clearly showed a significant number of employees had lost sight of the vision of the company. Many customers were rather saddened, and, and others were downright upset enough to leave the banking relationship altogether. And they went to another institution. The power and importance of a focused vision permeating the whole company could not be understated at this point. Uh, in an online uh, investment website, Motley Fool, some of you might have known know about it, that in 2016, uh, John Maxfield had an article. I just want to share just a little brief portion of it. He said, Wells Fargo has done bad, real bad. The nation's third largest bank by assets was fined $185 million last week for fraudulently opening over 2 million deposit or credit cards accounts for customers without the customer's permission to do so. The fraud per perpetrated by 5% of the bank's branch-based employees, who's since been fired, lost, cost Wells Fargo customers millions of dollars in illicit accounts, overdraft, and insufficient, insufficient fund fees. I knew I was going to mess that one up. <laughs> and he went on to say, this is a mockery of Wells Fargo's vision and values. Well, this is an unfortunate example of how people losing focused vision, only 5% of the whole company was in on these intentional or unintentional missteps, but the whole company suffered the shame and humiliation. Oh, that the church would remain focused on the vision that God gave her. Amen? So if you take a second, if you have your electronic Bible or your old-fashioned, what I really like, your analog version, right? we're really close to Silicon Valley. I can get those tech things out with people really understanding what I'm saying. <laughs> your analog version. Open that up to 2 Corinthians 5. We'll be going through verses 14 through 20 this morning. And while you turn there, please allow me to pray again and ask God to, to do a a work this morning. Father, thank you so much for the great honor and opportunity to proclaim and declare your word this morning. Thank you for what you uh, are doing, have done, and will do in the future here at Coastside. Thank you for Pastor Rob and his heart and love for these wonderful people of yours. And so God, I pray that you step me aside and that today your word is proclaimed clearly and it has impact and effect in people's lives. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are the three invaluable traits for every disciple that helps us grow and stay focused on a lifelong journey with Jesus? Well, I'm going to go through all three. And if you have your 
pen and paper, you want to jot down some notes, that's why I gave you the outline. I'm going to tell you the first, the th- all three of them right now, and then we'll look at them individually. The three invaluable traits for every disciple is our focused decision, our focused dependence, and our focused destination. So let's look at, through the lens of the scriptures, the first trait of a focused decision. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 14, I'm going to read verse 14 through uh, 20 first, and then we'll start looking at it individually. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Amen. So let's look specifically at verse 14 for a second. Start there. Our focused decision. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And if we look a little further in verse 15, it says, And he, being Jesus, died for all, that those who live, are you guys alive? I think it's all of us, right? me and you, might no longer live for themselves, but for him. Okay, who's him? Jesus. You guys are smart. You're sharp. You're with us. For the sake, for, uh, who for their sake, whose sake? Our sake, us, died and was raised. Or if you'll permit me to just, uh, just use the uh, message paraphrase. I love the ESV, the NIV, the King James, all that sort of stuff, but something about the message, just, I know it's the paraphrase, it's not the holy word of God, but just please give me a, you know, help me out here, all right? Something about Eugene Peterson, when the guy knows Hebrew and Greek perfectly, he can kind of like get a feel for what was really going on there, what was really meant, you know, um, for our, and, and be able to say it in today's language. So in today's language, 2 Corinthians 5.14, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love 
has made the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. I love that. Everyone is in the same boat. We were asked to join a Bible study, small group training time with Pastor Matt. Pastor Matt was a new pastor where I used to go to church, actually my home sending church as a missionary with the Navigators. And Pastor Matt, I think he was like a copier salesman or something like that. I mean, he was, he was a nice guy and all, and I really liked Pastor Matt. Um, but he asked us to, to join this class, and, and he brought this new teaching that was really kind of rather difficult for me to swallow at first. Um, Pastor Matt had come up through the, uh, into his role as a pastor. He was just finishing seminary degree when we first met. And uh, through our, our church's New Hope ministry, you guys all familiar with that? Kind of like a recovery ministry, okay? And, 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 and um, this, this pastor, this guy's a pastor, I thought, huh? He was part of New Hope. That's the way I used to think, relax. But really, I thought, he's part of New Hope. That's a ministry for like addicted people who have problems, And it didn't make any sense to me. Up until now, all the pastors and leaders that I had met and got close to seemed to have it all together, seemed to be really solid people. This didn't make any sense to me. But at one point, Matt and I began a conversation about something, frankly, I can't remember right now. The topic's really not important. But I think God really used Pastor Matt in my life in a significant way. Because during this training time, Pastor Matt declared to me something um, in that morning that, that was really hard for me to digest at the time. He said, Don, we're all broken. I'm broken. You're broken. Everybody's broken. <laughs> Wait, what? Excuse me? Wow. That, that challenged my prideful worldview. It was a sharp prick to my already sensitive self-image. I was just climbing out of the pit of self-deprecation through my, the dysfunctional family experience that I was raised in. And I just uh, was just raised up and beginning to start to understand who I was in Christ. I was starting to feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> I'm a son of the king. Everything's great. Woohoo! Broken? What do you mean Broken. Jesus, redeem me. It's good. I'm, I'm great. Everything. He said I was great. It's great. I'm broken. I was a little upset with him. He, uh, he took me down a few notches. I didn't like that. Well, I was reminded of these grace-filled beginnings. I think it was probably, yeah, 1995, 96, I think I said earlier. I was reminded of these grace-filled beginnings during my quiet time this week um, as I was preparing for this message. The Apostle Paul's firm decision, or as it should be for, maybe, for me and, and maybe you, was to daily remember the truth and essence of the gospel. Look again at verse 14 that one has died 
for all. And therefore, all have died. I was dead. Or as I reread it in the scripture, I am dead. (laughs) And dead is worse than broken any day of the week. (laughs) The first invaluable trait for every disciple is a focused decision. And that decision is we are all in the same boat. In other words, I'm no better than you in God's eyes. I'm no better than anyone else. Sage, sinner, saint, superman or superwoman or someone in solitary confinement. We are all in need of forgiveness and the, and the, and the grace of God that daily upon our lives. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen? No one no matter their background, pedigree, job they hold, social status, is any better than anyone else in God's eyes. Our focused sinner or our daily decision to remind ourselves is to love with Christ's love flowing through us. Through the new reality of being united in his death and therefore united in his life. Let's look on in verse 15 and 16. And he died for all, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, or another way of saying it is because of this decision, therefore we regard no one, or another way of saying that is we evaluate no one. According to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Now verse 16 takes us into our second invaluable trait for every disciple, and that's our focused dependence. Our focused dependence. Some of our Bibles say, so from now on, in verse 16 it says, so from now on regard no one from a worldly point of view. Maybe I think it says that in the NIV or especially in the day and age when especially in this day and age with our smartphones and instant everything many of us are in constant distract mode right can't we be the voice of this world is getting louder and louder and more pervasive year after year being that we are close to the ocean i was on the way in here i turned on uh, whatever street this is to come straight up in here. You see the ocean, yeah? And man, tons of surfers out there this morning, right? I mean, it's like they were at church. They were, they were out there just, they were just, oh my goodness, they were having fun. So in the idea of our dependence, I want to just let the word speak for it, right? So in honor of those guys out there, guys, maybe some girls, let's do a little Bible surfing. Let's do a little surfing in here, okay? And then, so if you have a pen, jot, down, jot these down on your notes so you can maybe think about them and, 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 and meditate on them a little bit later, okay? So let's, John, let's look first at John 15, 5. You guys familiar with that one, talking about the dependence on God. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remaineth in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
I love that. So powerful. Apart from me, you can do some sort of kind of some things like work and you could tease it. No, nothing. A little off script here. I just, I'm believing the Spirit's telling me. We, we in the world today, in, in the church today, we need to work really hard, ladies and gentlemen, at stopping the sacred and the secular divide. You are the body of Christ. You, we must, when we go work, home, school, and play, we must go into those arenas and bring Christ. Amen? There's no more, oh, I do this at church, but then I do this at work, or I do this at home, or I do this with my neighbors. we got to get past that. I don't know where that came from. Stop with the secular and sacred divide. All life, if you're a Christian this morning... If Jesus lives and rules in here, all life is sacred. Everything we do is set apart for God's glory. Amen? Okay, I'll get off the preachy. I'll go back to what I was oh. But I love the other one, the dependence on God. Oh, I love this one. Psalm 94, verse 18. Then I said, my foot is slipping. Your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. I love that because you could just kind of see it. It's like, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, hey. And then God's like, no, I got you. You're cool. It's cool. Do you believe that about yourself this morning? Even when you just, you feel you, ow, that hurt, I fell. No, but you didn't fall where you could have fell. I got you. That was just to remind you. Or again in the Old Testament, and I, I, I love this. And I kind of see Rob doing this a little bit, you know. Um, with you guys in, in First Chronicles 9, 29, 14. First Chronicles 29, 14. King David offers a powerful prayer in the assembly, you know, or basically uh, Sunday morning service, as we know it today. And King David said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give so generously to this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Wow, what an attitude. Even King David knew. I ain't got nothing unless you give it to me. That screams dependence. I want to adopt that attitude more and more in everything I do. Well, here's a great one. Um, Exodus 14 uh, if 13 and 14. I, I love this one because uh, Exodus 14, you know, Don, they have these things called bookmarks. should use them once in a while. <laughs> Exodus 14, verse uh, 13 and 14. I, I, I really just started out thinking about 14, but I looked back a little bit and I said, wow, that's even better. 13, um, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, fear not, Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is be silent. Man, I need to be, I, I got to practice some dependence if all I have to do is just stand there and be silent. That's some like, you know, you know see the, 
the, the, the, the, the, the Israelites are like right by the water's edge, you know, and Moses, <laughs> steak, that would be great. <laughs> be quiet. I'm just, you know? I mean, really, at some point, you got to put the rubber to the road and be silent and watch God work. That's dependence. Um, Psalm, I love Psalm 121, verse 3. And he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. God doesn't sleep. He doesn't take time off. He didn't take a break. He didn't take a sabbatical. He worked six days. He rested one. And guess what? He'd been on the job ever since. The creator of four billion sons doesn't need to rest. He's infinite energy and power. Why would he need to rest? So, if that's really our God, he got this. So it's so easy in a way to be dependent, right? But he desires us to practice it, to practice dependence. Because when we practice dependence on God, God gets the glory. Because the rest of the world looks at us and goes, how in the world? God. God's doing it. God's holding me up. Philippians 4, verse 11, Paul says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Man, if you can find the secret of contentment, you've figured out dependence. And one you're all familiar with, King David's perspective on dependence, Psalm 23. Couldn't leave that one out, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He didn't suggest. He made me. He knows what's best. He leads me besides quiet waters. There's dozens and dozens of more verses that God gives us for the importance and blessing of focusing our dependent relationship on him. Living with focused dependence keeps us humble. And God values humility in his children. Romans 12, 16. Romans 12, 16. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Focus dependence, and if you would allow me, I'm going to throw in there humility, is the second of our invaluable traits for every disciple. Now this leads us to our third invaluable trait of a disciple of Jesus. Our first was our focus decision. The second, like I just mentioned, our focus dependence. And the third trait is our focus destination. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Not will come, has come. Our destination is a new creation. Today, we are in God's sight new and becoming new at the same time through the journey with Jesus. Or in other words, discipleship. Daily, God is making a new creation 
to, be ref- to reflect the person of Jesus to the world around us. I want to stop right now for a second and uh, see if the tech guys can bring up that video. I want to share, um, I think it's five, ten, seven, eight minutes, something like that, and I'm almost done. I'll come back and unpack the rest of it. But this, this video by the skit guys, some of you might have seen it, some of you might not have seen it. It's just really powerful. It just, it just says it all. And so just allow me to... Your original masterpiece. You're beautiful people. Not because I say so. But because God declares it so. And he made you that way. Do you believe that this morning? I hope so. I hope so. I think he declares it to us in his word. So, seeing this new truth about ourselves can be tough. So please allow me to encourage your faith and believe this truth about yourself to the point that it begins to change our attitudes and our actions moment by moment with the world around us. God sees us as a new creation in Christ. Let us live in that new reality. And why are, do we, li- why are to we to live as new creations? To be empowered by the Spirit of Christ, to be ambassadors of Christ in today's world in which God has placed us. I'm going to wrap up real quick here with a reading of uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 and a few other verses. 18 says, verse 18 says, All of this is from God, who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's not the job of the professional minister to help people come to Christ. It's all of our jobs. We all have a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. That God was, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed us to that same message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, verse 20, as though God were making us appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul also speaks of being an ambassador in Ephesians 6, verse 20. He said, for I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Boldly declaring the glory of God and that God has reconciled the world to himself. And Jesus calls us to be ambassadors in John 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And I am sending you. Our destination is a declaration. God reconciled the world to himself and is giving us the ministry or work as ambassadors or agents of reconciliation. So, you know, most of us by now who are adults or close to adults, um, you know, we know a lot of words without thinking about them, right? And I'm just going to finish up with with this thought. We know a lot of words without thinking about it. We hear the word reconciliation, or reconcile, and 
you're probably like me. You know, you have these thoughts that come into your mind about what that word means. I doubt very highly that anybody here knows the exact definition, you know, Webster's definition of reconcile. Oh, maybe a couple of you might, but, you know. So if most of you are like me, you're like, oh, it kind of means being brought back or brought back together or something like that. You know, kind of a sterile definition in essence. It's kind of this thought of bringing things back together. So, I, you know, I don't know about any of you guys, but we have a, a couple, two or three uh, Alexas or Echoes in our home. So just on a lark, when I was, I was preparing this, you know, those little, those little things from Amazon that you speak into and it tells you pretty much everything under the sun. You can, you know, you know it's, 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 your, it's your personal valet nowadays almost. And so I says, uh, as I was preparing this, I just, out of a, on a lark, I just says, hey, Echo, define Reconcile. You know what it came up with? It said, to restore friendly relations between and to cause to coexist in harmony, to make or show to be compatible. <laughs> I went, wow, that's awesome. That's not what I thought it meant. I mean, I kind of thought it meant, but you know, I was just making it really sterile in my mind. But that's a great definition. To restore friendly relations between. That's what God has done for humanity. He made us friends. In the message, author Eugene Peterson puts verse 20 this way. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right with them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. So this morning, we discovered, we're discovering, or for some of us maybe rediscovering, three basic truths of the Christian faith. Three invaluable traits of a disciple. The first, to live a new, focused decision each day to trust and follow Jesus. Just because you trusted him one time for your salvation, every day you get up, you got to wake up and try it again. Lord, you're Lord, I'm not. I'm going to trust you and follow you. Two, to live a new focused dependence on his power and his strength through the Holy Spirit. And then three, let's live a new focused destination. In the forefront of your mind, with the new person God is making you or how God really sees you, his friend. Be an ambassador of the kingdom of God to your relational networks at work, home, school, or play. Be Jesus with skin on to people around you. Not just here in Pacifica, but around the Bay Area and maybe even in other parts of the world through modern technology with Skype and all that sort of stuff. You got, I bet half of you have friends in other, you know, and it's nighttime right now where they're at. Be Jesus to the world around you. Let me pray. Father, thanks so much for this time. Thank you for the, for, for the generosity and, and, and the uh, ability to just 
uh, come and hang out with uh, Coastside. Thank you for this wonderful family of, of believers, this group of your, bro- your uh, children, Lord. And thank you for uh, what you're doing here. Um, I just pray, God, that uh, uh, Coastside it, it grows and becomes a truly um, impactful community where, where people in Pacifica and even over the hill might hear of and know, God, what you are doing in and through these wonderful people. So, God, we just ask that you give us all we need for today and that you help us to be more dependent on you and help us to keep our eyes focused on the destination. In Jesus' name, amen.